Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to listen and join with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. And we know that God is doing amazing things in our community, and I am blown away at how many people have told me that Renaissance has provided a place for them to rediscover Jesus. It's given them a caring church family to be a part of, and has helped to transform their lives. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged, helped, and strengthened because of what's happening here at Renaissance, then I'd like to ask you to become an investor in what God is doing in our city. And here's one way that you can do that. Go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them. Enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of this community. My name is Jeff. I am one of the leaders here at Renaissance, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet. Um, I, haven't, I haven't been on this stage in about five weeks. Has anyone noticed? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, um, just, I just want to fill you in a little bit of what's been going on kind of in my world the last uh, few weeks. Uh, a little over a month ago, my wife and I flew out to Seattle. I've never been before, and um, while we were there, the weather was 70 and sunny, which is like a miracle of sorts for Seattle, but we flew out there for a, a church conference. In fact, Pastor Joe a couple weeks ago talked about his first airline trip or air flight, and he was flying out there to be with us in Seattle, and he lived, and we're so excited about that. <laughs> But we spent some time out there with a lot of uh, friends of ours who are pastors from really all over the country, and we ate really good food, and we stayed up way too late because we didn't have kids to get up to in the morning, and we had an absolute blast. So I wasn't here on that Sunday, but then the next week I came in, we started a That One Thing series where we asked uh, four friends to come in and share uh, some things they've learned about God in their lives, and how many people were here for That One Thing series, Yes. Now, seriously, how many people thought they did a tremendous job? All of the speakers, Laramie, Todd, Joe, Jack, yeah. Um, I was here for all of those weeks except for Joe's, you're welcome. And uh, the, the reason why is um, my wife took, my wife and I, we took a vacation. And we went down to Orlando and we took our youngest daughter, Reagan. She's awesome, by the way. And we went to the national volleyball tournament. She's on a travel volleyball team. And so we went down there for the national volleyball tournament. And um, not to brag or nothing, but they took third place out of 57 teams. Her talent comes from me. <laughs> Yes, it's all me. She's a blast to be around when she's winning. And not so much when she's losing. Um, but again, there, Stacy and I had some time at a pool and we got to hang out and just, just to remember what it's like to be young and married again. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. I won't go into details if you know what I mean. And um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyways, um, even though I haven't been on the stage on Sundays, I want you to know, with the exception of those two different times, I've been working every week. I've been in my office, and one of the things that not having to preach afforded me was it gave me some time to really sort of lean into or spend some time on some projects that I've been really needing to put my energy into. And one of those projects um, is the remodel of our buildings. 
And we have uh, secured some permit prints from our architects. We've given them to the city. The city has signed off on them. We have sent those same drawings out to different contractors. And we're asking them to bid the, the remodel of the third floors of these buildings. And those um, bids are starting to come back in. And so I spent a few days in my office last week just taking those bids and putting them into a spreadsheet on my computer to just see where we are on what the cost is going to be for this whole thing. And I have the, the spreadsheet set up to automatically tally the total, right? So I drag in the electrical bid. Hmm, nice. And I put in the plumbing bid. Thank you, Todd. And then I put in some other bids and I'm, I'm watching this number grow and grow and grow until at one point, not to be too dramatic in this, but this actually happened to me. The number reached out of the computer and assaulted me. <laughs> I promise. And what little faith I had in my soul to believe that God was going to help us do this came out of my body and dissipated like a vapor. <laughs> and I sat there. And this is that moment that you all wait for every week, that, that vulnerable pastor moment where I overshare something in my life. And I know you've missed it, so here it is. I confess to you that my faith to believe that God is going to finish this thing that I also know he started um, has been vacillating back and forth and back and forth. There are some days I am convinced God is going to do this with us. And then there are some days I am convinced he has abandoned us. And that day last week, it was, an, uh, and I say an assault, it was the most frightening moment that I've had in many months about this thing. And I, I don't share that with a lot of people except all of you. And I, I say... <laughs> I say that because as I was in the middle of that, um, God did what only God can do. He, he gave me two wonderful experiences last week. Uh, one of them happened on Monday as I was just doing some simple Bible reading on my own. I was flipping through the Gospel of Mark. Anybody ever read the Gospel of Mark? Me either. And so I was reading through it and, and I get to Mark chapter two and a story pops out to me. Um, and that's the story I wanna share with you today. But the second thing happened on Friday. A friend of mine, Trina, she's sitting right here. Trina used to live in Decatur, and she was part of our community here at Renaissance. She sang on the worship team. She's great, but, but she's moved to California recently. Boo. But her work oftentimes brings her back to Decatur, yay, a couple times a year. And so she was back in town last week, and she just she reached out to me, and she said, Jeff, can you take me upstairs to these buildings and can you show me um, and envision for me what you see happening up there? And I'm like, sure, stop by and we'll go upstairs. And Trina shows up in flip-flops and a skirt. I'm like, girl, this is a construction sigh. <laughs> So she signs a waiver. I take her upstairs. <laughs> I'm not responsible for that. And we go upstairs and I just start this room right here is, we're going to have 500 seats. Can you see it? See this pencil mark on the floor. This is about where the end of the stage is. Over here, our brand new bathroom. Say amen, someone. Amen. amen. New bathrooms. And on and on it goes in our office space, and we're gone. And at the end of the little tour, 50-cent tour, uh, Trina asks me this question. And she said, Jeff, did you ever think when you started this Bible study those seven, eight years ago that it would grow into this big thing? And without thinking and without taking another breath, I said, absolutely not. 
I had no idea it would be this. In fact, if I had a thought about what it was going to look like, uh, if, you were, if I was to be really honest with you, I had this thought that it wasn't going to work. I had a thought that, yeah, we'll start a Bible study in our house or something. Maybe we'll grow to be a, a little church that'll meet for a while. But I didn't have any expectations that it would last longer than a couple years or something. If I'm being honest, I had no idea. But here's what I know. I was willing to lean in and do the work. I mean, I'm convinced I heard God's voice when he told me, Jeff, I'd like you to plant a church in Decatur. Even though my best friends were saying, Jeff, does Decatur really need another church? Thank you, Bart Idol. <laughs> Listen, he's not here so we can talk about him. But I, I believed God was saying that. And I said, okay, I'll risk it. I'll lean in. I'll, I'll give up my Sunday afternoons and prepare for a message to, to, to teach a Bible study. I've never taught a Bible study in my life. And, and so we start this endeavor. And, and, and I tell you, man, the, the Sunday nights were crowded in my house. Young adults just flocked to my house. Every week we would cook pizza. My wife would bake cookies and she'd make that puppy chow stuff, if you know what I'm talking about. And the kids would come, which I only bring that up because I've talked to many church leaders from other churches and they say things like, we can't get any young adults to come to our church. We can't get any young adults to connect. Our young adults are just leaving. And I'm just saying, have you tried food? I'm just saying, <laughs> like open an account at Papa John's and they will come to the house. But they came and we continued for a while. And then I thought I heard the Lord's voice say, Jeff, would you rent space downtown? Would you rent a bigger space so we can get out of your living room? And, and I'm like, I think we can do that. The only issue, as many of you might know, is we had no money. We've never taken an offering. We had no support from another church helping us. We had nothing. But the voice of the Lord was saying, will you risk it? And over these last years, I began to just trust God with the details Begin to try, like if you hear God's voice and He's asking you to do a thing, then don't bother yourself with how that's going to look. Don't bother yourself, well, well, how do I make all of that happen? Just be obedient to what God would say to do and trust Him to work out the details. Several years before we ever rented space downtown, one of my best friends passed away. And we're on the, the precipice of renting space downtown, and, and we have no bunny, money. And I, I take a phone call from the wife of my friend who passed away, and she's like, Jeff, I want you to come over for dinner. And as we sit at dinner with her and her children, she tells us the story that before her husband passed away, he'd been saving money for us. And she pushed $6,000 across the table. Our rent was almost $1,000 a month. We had six months. And it was enough for us to get started. And then after some time, God then said, would you be willing to buy these buildings? Would you be willing to risk half a million dollars? <laughs> ah! <laughs> and trust me with the details. Sure. Last year, we asked you guys if we could buy these buildings. We had a church vote, and unanimously, we said yes. That's like a unicorn, just so you know. You always hear about those, but you've never seen one. A unanimous church vote? <laughs> he is risen. <laughs> uh, two miracles we celebrate. And then this number on the computer screen keeps growing. 
And I just keep hearing the voice of the Lord, but do you trust me in this? I sat with a friend yesterday just in conversation, and he reminded me that the things that God starts, God is faithful to finish. In his words, God is not wishy-washy. Write that down. That he does not meander around. When he sets his heart towards something, he finishes it. And I'm convinced he wants to do this. So that happens on Friday. That's very encouraging. And then on Monday, as I mentioned, I read this passage in Mark's gospel, verses 1 through 12. And I want to read that for you today. And I want to talk about um, the parallels that I see in that passage and the exact place that we are at. We are in as a church. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to Mark chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, you can turn to page 837 in the little pew Bible underneath the seat close to you. We will put the words on the screen so you can follow along there. But let me tell you this too. If you don't own a Bible, like if you're visiting with us and you're like, man, I don't have one. Yes, you do. You have one now. Take that Bible home with you. And we will throw more under the seat. We give away cases and cases of Bibles every year. They're important. Take one with you. But I want to read this story, and then we'll pray and talk about it. Starting in verse 1. And it says, And when Jesus, when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door, And as Jesus was preaching the word to them, they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down uh, the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, there were some scribes sitting there as well, and they were questioning in their hearts, why does this man Jesus speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they had thus questioned within themselves, he said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, he asks. Is it easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? But so that you would know, remember that, Jesus desperately wants us to know who he is. Oh, and what he can do. But he says, and so that you would know, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says these words. He says to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, go home. And so he rose and immediately he picked up his bed and he went out before them all. And they were all amazed and they glorified God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. And I'm like, understatement of the century. I assure you, none of us have experienced something as crazy as that scenario. Let's pray, ask God to come alongside of us, to encourage us through this passage. Um, I'm going to ask after I'm finished that God would give us the resolve to move forward. So just so you know where I'm headed, I'm going to ask us to pray for the faith to believe in this stuff. Um, So let's pray together. God, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for the word of God, that these are the trustworthy um, words from your mouth spoken through John Mark so that we could understand them. Thank you that Jesus would be willing to do the things that he's done, not only for them, but also for us. God, bless our time together. Help us to understand this. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Mark chapter 1 is filled with um, story after story of Jesus just doing crazy miracles, healing all kinds of sick people, uh, demon-possessed people, your in-laws basically going before, (laughs) sorry, too far, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, and, and Jesus is casting out demons, healing the sick, every kind of disease. A man with leprosy who's been shunned by his own community and family comes before Jesus, and Jesus heals him. And after all of this, he returns back to Capernaum, his kind of home base, and it, it appears that they've assembled at Peter's house. And while they were gathered there, Jesus is preaching to them, teaching them the things of God, teaching them the things that matter most importantly. And then it says that we learn of a group of guys, verse 3, that these four guys bring a friend of theirs um, before Jesus. This friend is a, a paralytic. We don't know what happened to him exactly, but you have to understand this, that a, a paralytic obviously wasn't able to work, and so his, the ability for him to provide to his, to his family has been stripped away from him. In fact, he, he really requires everyone else around him to care for him. And it appears that these four friends, and I'm going to call them friends because I think they're friends of his, that they see his deplorable state, his desperate state, and they decide to do something about it. See, there's a man, a rabbi, a teacher. His name is Jesus. He's gathered at Peter's house, and the throngs of people have just pressed in. But this is the same Jesus, but a few days before was healing everyone. So they go by and they pick him up. They're like, Kevin, come on. I don't know if his name's Kevin, but they bring him along with him. And when they get there, they find that there's no room for them. It says that they could not get in because of the crowd. Now, I want you to know I can read this two different ways, and I'm a negative person by nature, and I always read it poorly the first time. When they got to the place, do you think, do you think maybe, wonder with me for a moment, do you think they dragged their friend all the way there and then got to the house and go, well, it's too crowded, and changed their mind? We'll, we'll come up with another plan. No, I think what they did is they got to the house and they said, pardon me, excuse me, coming through. My friend and I need to get close to Jesus. Excuse us, pardon me. Can we come through? Do you mind making some room for us? Do you wonder if they did that with me? I would do it. I wouldn't get all the way to where Jesus is and see some people and go, well, screw it and go away. <laughs> no, I assure you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go halfway. I'd, I'd go in. And I wonder when, when, when Mark is saying that he could not get in because of the crowds, I wonder if some were turning them away. I wonder if some were saying, no, dude, sorry, show starts at six, should have got here sooner. Should have sent a friend in and saved a seat for you. Renaissance. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Pastor Jeff, I've got a friend coming this week. Is it okay if I save a seat for him? I'm like, save two rows, I don't care. Everyone else can sit somewhere else. Bring your friends in here. Yeah, save a seat for them. You kidding me? We'll put a chair right here for your friend. That would be the most awkward time for them. (laughs) But it says they could not get in because of the crowds. Guys, I hear the stories. I hear the same stories that you hear. I would love to come to Renaissance. I love Pastor Joe. I love Jeff. I love the worship. I love everything they do. I'm just tired of being crowded. I'm tired of sitting too close to someone next to me. I'm tired of the the 36-inch door that we have to cram through to get to the coffee bar. I'm tired of it. 
I understand that. But let me encourage you that these four friends, it didn't stop them. (laughs) It didn't stop them. But they continued. And it says they made their way to the roof, whatever that looks like. And there's a whole bunch of teachings you could find on the internet about that. But it says they go up to the roof and they begin to, to claw through it. They begin to just pull off the tiles, pull out the thatch, remove the mud and the dirt. And it says they're doing so, I found this interesting, right above Jesus. It says like they're doing this right to get near to him, right over him. They remove the roof above Jesus, right where he is. Now, I want you to consider how distracting that must have been. I mean, I freak out if a baby squawks in here. I'm like, that's distracting to me. But these guys are using power tools trying to get through the roof. (laughs) And I wonder how many shushed them. I wonder how many asked them to please show reverence. Please calm down. Please don't make the noise. Please, the rabbi's trying to teach. And I wonder if Jesus himself kept looking up going, what is happening? But these men had a resolve, a willingness to believe that God could heal. And they leaned into that alone. They didn't know how exactly it's going to happen. And they're willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. They make their way through poor Kevin sitting on this mat going, I don't think it's going to work, guys. I don't think it's going to work. And they're like, it's going to work. And they drop him through the roof. <laughs> and it's, oh, this is so great. And it says in verse 5, And when Jesus saw their faith, he then turns to the paralytic and says, Your sins are forgiven. I mean, do you see that? That it's, it's not the paralytic's faith that Jesus is paying attention to. He's paying attention to the faith of his friends. The crazy ones. The, the ones who are willing to risk it, to try something crazy, to disrupt the service, if you will, to disrupt the flow of how everything is happening just so that a friend can get close to Jesus. Soon we're going to push some architectural drawings before you and we're going to show you everything that we have planned to do. And I want you to know this right now. The plans that we have to put in an elevator are going to disrupt our overflow room. In fact, the overflow room is going to go away. We have 140 chairs in here and about 30-some back there. What are we going to do with those 30 people when we try to put an elevator into this place to get to the third floor? I don't know. But know this. I'm willing to disrupt the flow of how things go here so that we can make room so that our friends can come and hear Jesus. It is going to be so... Oh, you think it's crazy now? You think it's crowded now? Wait, wait till we press more chairs in here just for the short term so we can get more people in here. I don't know if we're going to do that, but write that down. That might be something we could do. <laughs> There's any number of things we can do. The question is, are we willing to do them? The question is, are we willing to, to do whatever it takes to get our friends here to hear about Jesus? Are we willing to do what these people did to disrupt, to be a distraction, to do all of these things? Jesus sees their faith and forgives the sins of someone else. That will blow your mind. That will change how you see Jesus. When he sees your faith for your friends, when you pray for someone else and Jesus does something for them because you prayed, because you believed, because you asked, because you were willing to give time, Jesus sees their faith and says, sins are forgiven. Now, if I could pause right here and complain for a moment, 
um, if I was one of those friends, these are the exact words that I would have said. Um, Jesus, <laughs> um, we didn't bring him all the way here to have his sins forgiven. In fact, we can do that at the temple with a priest and a sacrifice. The sin thing, Levitical law says we can deal with that on our own. Thank you very much. He's here because his legs don't work. He's here because he can't walk. He can't provide for his family. There's something broken in his life. We're asking you to fix this. And Jesus has this ability to look into the life of the paralytic, the person who desperately needs his legs to work, and he goes for the, the thing that's of primary importance first. He says, your sins are forgiven. And I'm going, but his legs don't work. I think we do this to God sometimes too. We labor over this broken thing in our life, dragging it before Jesus. Oh, my Lord and Savior Jesus, with great reverence in our talk, we say, if you would fix this or that thing in my life, then it would be better for me. If you could fix the broken dreams that I have, if you could fix my broken marriage, if you could fix this broken issue in my finances, if you could fix my job situation, on and on it goes. And Jesus oftentimes comes back and says, that's wonderful, Jeff, but I'd much rather deal with your pride right now. Huh? I'd much rather dear, deal with your, wait for it, your lack of faith right now. As I've been pushing that ginormous number in front of the Lord, <laughs> it's hard. I've been pushing. I said, Lord, you can do this. Fix, 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 fix. Do this. And he points back. He goes, let me, let me deal with your faith first. Poor Trina had no idea she was a pawn in God's big plan. I need to address your faith. Uh, Luke's gospel. I don't have these verses for you, but I was reading it this morning. Chapter 17. The disciples, in verse 5, they ask Jesus for more faith. They say these words. They go before God, our, our Savior, and they say, Can we have more faith, please? And Jesus responds cryptically, as he always does, Oh, if you only had the faith of a mustard seed, you could pick up this tree and have it replanted over there. Now hear this. The, the amount of faith that's required to do what we need to do is minuscule. Because you have to understand this. The power to produce the thing is from God. Hear me. It is not from your faith. Your faith is to believe in the power of God to change things. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, I can, I can muster me up some mustard seed faith. <laughs> That's all God is asking us for. Just a little. Jeff, you don't have to do it. Just have this and I will do it. So I'm like, okay, I pray for faith. I ask God, you do more in my life. You help me to believe in all of this. I trust you that you have started this, that you are going to finish this. And so when Jesus speaks to the paralytic and he says, your sins are forgiven, can we all agree that that is of primary importance in all of our lives anyways? And we can have everything fixed in our lives. We can have the most perfect everything, the abundant life that Jesus so talked about, it, talked about. But yet, if we end our lives without the forgiveness of sins, it's it for us. 
But if we have the forgiveness of sins that is from Jesus Christ, not only can we have the abundant life that he is uh, making available to us now, but we also get to have an eternity of an abundant life with him forever. As deplorable as this person's situation seems to be with the inability to work and provide for his family and walk and do whatever and, and have his sort of um, his whole persona stripped away from him from this accident that's paralyzed him, whatever this is. Jesus knows the more important thing is that he be saved. I find that striking because the friends, when they're bringing him there, they're literally, they don't see as far as Jesus does in this. Jesus forgives his sins. Now, this is where people freak out. This is where the scribes, as we continue reading, they go, wait a minute, no one can forgive sins but God. Would you agree with that? I think so. Yes, the answer is yes to that. And they're offended by what Jesus has done. In fact, it's these moments right here where they appear, where they think Jesus is blaspheming against God. This is the reason they murder Jesus, because of these things. Saying your sins are forgiven. Who does he think he is? So Jesus begins to perceive in their hearts that they're questioning what's happening. Why is this man, why is this teacher, why is this rabbi forgiving sins? He can't know whose sins are forgiven, and he can't forgive sins anyways. And Jesus perceives this in their heart, and he pushes back on them. And he says, well, let me ask you some questions. Which is easier then, to say your sins are forgiven or to say take up your bed and go home? Can I ask you the same question? Which of those two things is easier? I'll answer for you. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven. Why is that? Because we don't need any external evidence to support that. I can walk by my dog, Wally, who is a moron, by the way. <laughs> if you don't know him. And I could look at Wally, not that I believe in this, but I could say your sins are forgiven. And he has he's sinned more than anyone I know. <laughs> Against me only has he sinned. <laughs> And I can do that. And you could go, Jeff, you have the ability to forgive your dog's sins? Of course I do. You have no idea. There's nothing external to support that. I could walk around and go, and your sins, your sins, everybody's sins are forgiven. Oprah, everyone, everybody gets their sins <laughs> forgiven. That's the easy thing. Now, the hard one is to say, your legs don't work. Watch this. Take up your bed and go home. That's the hard one. And then Jesus says, and so that all of you will know and all of you will believe that I have the authority to forgive sins, I'm going to show you this miracle too. And he says, rise, take up your bed and go home. Why would he say go home? I have a thought. I didn't plan on saying this. If you'd give me a moment to just flesh it out, but I think the people at home are going to be the ones most impacted by the miracle that just took place in his life. You could stand on the internet or the TV and say, man, God healed me, God healed me, and we'll all look at you like you're crazy. Sorry. But if, but if my friend comes home who I know has cancer and she says that the doctors just took a scan and the cancer is gone, she say, God healed me, I'm going, oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. When God begins to heal the marriages and helps people overcome addictions on and on again, it impacts the family for sure. Jesus says, take up your bed and go home and, and reveal yourself to them. Show them what I've done. A after all of this, 
I, I land on two groups of people that are most impacted in this entire story. I see the person, the paralytic who is healed by Jesus and his sins are forgiven. And I think that's a wonderful thing for them. And I need you to know that there have been countless numbers of people who have come through the doors at Renaissance, who have crowded in with us and God has changed their lives for the better. God has saved people. Did you know that? Let me remind you, God saves people here in spite of us some days. He saves people. He does. It's nuts. It's crazy. So the, the paralytic is saved. It's, it's, he's healed. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And we see those stories time and time again. But the thing that bl most blows my mind is the, the lives of everyone else who are amazed, as Mark says, they were amazed at what they had seen. When he goes home to tell everybody what happened, the lives of everyone else as they're impacted by what Jesus has done, that's the stuff that gets me excited. That's an exponential growth in what God can do on the earth. The life of one who has changed can impact 10 people, 20 people. If we can make room for 300 more people upstairs, do you have any idea the scope of and the magnitude of what God can do in our city? And not just make room for more people to sit in the country club that is the church renaissance, because I don't believe in that. They'll come. God will heal them. We will pray risky prayers that God would fix knees and shoulders and remove cancer and do all of these things. And when God does what God does, people will hear the stories. God will be made famous. Jesus will be a big deal. But we have to have faith to believe that God can deal with this thing on the computer screen. For me, he's got to work on this. I don't, think, I don't think God is too concerned with this number on the computer screen. Would you say uh, amen to that? Say it louder, please. Amen. I mean, I need to hear it. Can you say it again, please? Amen. He's not worried about this number. What's the thing he's looking for? So this is why I ask for communion to be pushed to the front of the service. I want to pray for us now. I want to pray for us to have more faith. I'm going to ask you to do something that I've never asked you to do before. I don't know what that is yet. I'm just thinking it through right now. I'm going to pray and I'm going to say, God, um, we, we are your people and we belong to you. And just like the disciples in Luke chapter 17, they went before you and they said, would you just give us more faith to believe? And you responded with that. Now, as your pastor, I feel like I can ask on your behalf. I believe God has given me the authority to ask for you guys. I don't want to do that today. I want you to ask for faith today. I want you to ask God for faith today. I want you to ask God to give you the faith to believe in what he's doing. I know it's more than what he's doing here at the church. I know there are hundreds of things in your own lives that sometimes the faith that's missing in your life is what's needed to make the change there too. So when I pray, I'm going to ask you to stand up with me. I'll just say these words. God, um, we need the faith to believe. 
God, I'm asking in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would give us the faith to believe. And if you're one of those people who wants faith too, just stand up. Amen. This is weird for you if you're still sitting down. Don't feel any obligation. And I mean this seriously. It's, it ain't a thing for me, dude. It don't bother me at all. No one will look sideways at you if you decide to sit down. God, I'm asking that you would see the hearts of the men and women that are standing here, Lord. That you would give us the faith to believe that you can finish what you've started. That there is, in fact, um, no limit to what you can accomplish on the earth. God, we feel somewhat selfish to bring this little need before you to finish the remodel of our building. But God, if you could just hear our hearts in it, that it's not for us, it's not for our comfort, Lord, it's truly for others. It's that you might bring more people to know who your son Jesus is. God, I, I pray that you would see our hearts and you would give us the faith to believe that you'd give us the faith to push through, that you'd give us the faith faith to be uh, risky, to be a distraction, and to do the crazy and the unthinkable. And I, I pray that you would do that to the benefit of your son, Jesus. God, we lean into you, and we believe that you're doing something here. And we trust that you are going to work out all of the details. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. I love you. It's so great to be back. Thanks for having me again. And um, if anybody has any questions or thoughts, wants, wants personal prayer, we'd love to pray with you out these back doors and to the right. So that being said, the band's back here to lead us in some music and singing. Use that faith that you just prayed for and just declare the goodness of who God is. Cry out to him. Be desperate like those friends were. Pray for those friends and family members of yours that need Jesus desperately. Pray for the faith to invite them to church. Fight for empty seats here. Like go WWE on everybody. Just get nuts. That's for my friend. He's coming today. You got to sit on the stairs. Yeah? I'm out of time. I love you guys. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.